Whatever It Means to You podcast, episode 64. Today's episode is brought to you by Sand Jam Fest, Panama City Beach, April 26th through April 28th. Shane, how about that? That's our first official ad. <laughs> you got that? Dude, we're selling out, bro. <laughs> Sold out. Yeah. Yep, San Jam Fest, Panama City, Florida. I'm actually really excited about attending. Dude, I'm stoked. Yesayer, Cold War Kids, yes. the Giant, yeah. Kid Me. That, well, that's what I'm, honestly, uh, some of the bands that I've really wanted to see for a while, Young the Giant's definitely on there. Uh, I always I, I always love Yesayer, for sure. Any chance I can get to see Yesayer. Cold War Kids, great live band. Dude, one of the best live shows so, ever. Kings of Leon, even. Yeah. Like, I've seen Kings of Leon, I think, three times, and it's always been a crazy good show. Let's see, who else, man? Um, that people might be interested. Blackberry Smoke, JJ Gray, and Mofro. Shadow boxers. Uh, that that Taz kid's playing. Dude, we've seen Taz. Mm-hmm. That kid's nuts. Yeah, what's he like? Twelve? Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, and he plays better than almost anybody else on guitar. Uh, Wim T veterans Heritage are going to be on the bill for sure. Uh, Young the Giant, the Revivalists, Matt and Kim. Just out in Panama is it third, City, is it third it eye out. blind playing. Third eye blind. <laughs> Dirty heads. Yeah, just uh, some crazy good names on here. I can't believe that this is happening in our backyard. So, you know, San Jam Fest, April 26th through the 28th. There's uh, 30 days left. You can get your tickets at sandjamfest.com. You know, if you want to stay out there, too. They have some lodging partners on their website you can go check out. It's all nice and neat in one place. And uh, we are very excited to be partnering with them uh, in bringing you this show. The show today, we're also very excited about having uh, Mr. Dave Hope. won't get into too much about it, but... um, it's kind of weird just because we know lo- locally, Shane and I, we know we know Dave Hope as Zoe's dad because <laughs> yeah. we're friends with his daughter. But also, like, you know, just sitting across from someone, it's like, yeah, this is, this is Dave Hope, this is Zoe's daughter. But this dude also recorded Carry On Wayward Son and Dust in the Wind. Yeah. Like, and you know, Will Ferrell has, the- <laughs> you know. Uh, it was just crazy. It's crazy to think, like, this guy was in the room when this song was being made. And, the, and these are songs that... You know, are, are probably on all kinds of lists of top 100 songs ever written. I guarantee it plays 10 times today on like 99 Rock. Yeah. Like it'll play today. Yeah. That's crazy. Just a, a, a very interesting story. It's about a dude that came from Kansas and played some music and caught some good breaks and and almost got into some fights along the way and had some crazy stories and, and uh, spent, you know, basically had two different lives. So um, I'm not going to tell you too much about it. We'll get into it. But uh, our guest today, episode 64. Mr. Dave Hope. From Boat Studios in Destin, Florida, it's the Whatever It Means to You podcast. It's something that most people don't like at first. With Jared Gramblin. I love my job, but I hate talking to people like you. And Shane Denton. White people, yay! We got a good one for you today. All right, it's the Whatever It Means to You podcast from Boat Studios. My guest today is Mr. Dave Hope. Howdy. How you doing, man? <laughs> Fine. How are you? Uh, really good, man. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. I know I, d- I don't want to just go over what we just discussed, but uh, just to reiterate something, when we first started doing this podcast in kind of like some some development stages, we, we had a list of guests that we wanted to have on here, and your name was on the initial list, but I felt like uh, we needed to develop ourselves a little more before to reach out the invitation to get you to come on, man. So I definitely appreciate you um, <laughs> agreeing, to, agreeing to be out here. So... You know what we do? We just kind of, it's its basically a storytelling podcast. Um, so let's just, I'm, I mean, let's start however you want to, man. Maybe how you grew up and and how you came about to. Um, well, one of my favorite things was always uh, when we first started doing radio interviews, like when you hit a town, when we were actually headlining and people wanted us to come to the radio station, you know. We'd split up in twos and we'd hit someplace like Detroit or something that's got a bunch of radio stations. And one of the things that was always pretty hilarious, so I'll get, I'll get to a point, they'd go, and, you know, this is live on the air. And I mean, half the time they'd go, hey, where are you guys from? <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> so I'll start there. Yeah, you know, out of the band, out of the six of us, four of us went to the same high, high school, Topeka West High School. And, uh, I, you know, I, 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 
in a rural setting, it was probably a lot like growing up in Destin. You know, I mean, the whole world was my oyster. I just ran out the back door and I had nothing but fields and forts and ponds to explore, you know. And uh, I suppose that's probably what it was like living here as a kid, you know. And mm-hmm. You didn't have to worry, you know, parents didn't have to worry about you running around. You know, you'd be out the door, then you come back somewhere around supper time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that, so you're so pretty originally normal, I guess. You know, I, you know, you just you know pound on my little brother and all the normal things you do when mm-hmm. you're growing up. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, through high school, when did you start actually uh, playing your instrument? And uh, about fourth grade, uh, maybe they still do it the same way. Uh, it worked then. Uh, they'd have somebody, the local music store, come by with about ten different instruments. You know, they'd sit in front of your classroom and go, "Here's a clarinet." Do 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 do, and then they'd hear rat tat tat on a drum. Well, I heard that trumpet, and we used to. There used to be this program called Rin Tin Tin when I was a kid. That was a uh, army uh, show on Saturday mornings, and uh, kind of. They put that revelry that da 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 da. And I thought yeah. that's it. I'm signing up. You know, then you, then you shoot home. And go dad 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 dad. Gotta have a trumpet. Gotta have a trumpet. You know. Mm-hmm. So you drag your poor old dad down there to sign for nine million payments and eight free lessons. You know. <laughs> And I started off on a trumpet, got to junior high or what you guys call mid-school. They didn't have anybody uh, to play tuba. And so I was the biggest kid trumpet player there at that time. And uh, I was taller than everybody else. And so uh, the music teacher called me after school and said, take that and this book and that's what you're going to play this year. So I, I played tuba for years, you know, just through junior high and a little bit of high school until I had to make... The big decision, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed band, orchestra. I was a band geek. I was an orchestra geek. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah. So, was it the low end of the tuba that attracted you to actually play in the the string low end, or how did that come about? I don't know. Well, first it was just I was too scared to tell the teacher no, because mm-hmm. <laughs> next thing I knew, I'm standing on the curb of this tuba, and, you know, and, our, <laughs> and we were in a carpool, and there we didn't even know how they were going to get me home with the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rest of the kids, but uh, uh, but yeah, you know, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess I just always stuck to bass. I, I do like the lower frequencies. Okay, yeah. So I do like the lower <laughs> frequencies. Yeah. So, uh, so let's. I guess let's just get to the point of uh, of how you know. Were you an original member of the band Kansas? Mm-hmm. Did you play in other bands? How the band oh, form? Yeah. yeah, all I, that kind I, of stuff. I played in different bands. Um, back then, there was a lot of bands. Mm-hmm. Once the Beatles came on TV, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but everybody in my generation went out and got a guitar and either found out they had talent or didn't, but mm-hmm. everybody got one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it, it had morphed. Uh, you know, before you needed a, a music was a, uh, you know, it was big swing and, and they were, they'd back singers like Frank Sinatra and, or it was the Elvis thing, but it was always a, the record company uh, was the umbrella and they'd have a team of songwriters then they had musicians that were in-house musicians. Then they'd have the artists. And then they'd have a touring band that they'd send you out. And it was always a big thing. But it was never condensed into a unit. You know, that's just the way it was. The Temptations never wrote their songs. And they probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, even know if they played instruments. Gamble and Huff wrote their songs or somebody else, you know. And uh, But when, every, when guys like me that like music, when we saw the Beatles were going, hey, you can do it all in the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really, well, it was a real new concept. You don't need a billion people to play in a band. You can just do it with three or four guys. And uh, so that was really attractive. And, uh, and of course, uh, na- naturally, when good old capitalism, I love capitalism, I really do. But, uh, well, you know, once they got behind it and saw, hey, we got a market here. <laughs> you know, so they, they helped us along <laughs> buying better, better products. You know, the competition works and it's great. Mm-hmm. And they built great stuff back then, too. And, but... Uh, so anyway, uh, w- with a couple of guys in the band, uh, I- I'd been in different groups in high school with some of the guys. It's going to be hard to get some clarity on this separating it. But one thing we all had in common is, is I don't know about your high school, but we all had different tables we sat at at lunch. There yeah. was the jock table, mm-hmm. and then there was the cheerleader table, and then there was this, the academic table, and then there was the loser smoke in the bathroom tables, you know, the guys that played in bands. And uh, we all... We're in different bands, but we all sat at the same band table, and we realized our senior year of high school that, all, that there was four of us, uh, the four that were in the band, and we wanted to go on with this thing. You know, you know, we, we didn't want to just be a cover band. We wanted to make a living. We didn't have any idea. We could put the big, broad brushstroke vision up there. We want to make a living as musicians, but we have no idea how to do that in the Midwest other than just play clubs. And, uh, of course, they didn't have liquor over the counter, Mm-hmm. You know, in Kansas. So clubs were a little tough back then. They had, uh, it was odd. They had uh, 3.2 beer 
18-year-old beer bars. You know, you could be 18 to drink, no, no over the liquor over the counter, you know, but oh, you could weird. drink 3.2 beer at oh. 18. It's an interesting <laughs> dynamic because all the states around us were 21 to drink, period. Mm-hmm. So all the bars were on the state lines. Yeah. <laughs> so about the third set when everybody's drunk, the Nebraska guys say something to the Kansas guys. You know, mm-hmm. you know how that thing plays out, but it was kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, uh, we realized that most of our guys we were playing in bands with are going to go off to school, get married, yada, 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 yada. So we just kind of had this wink, wink, we're going to all meet when high school's over with because there's no sense in, you know, becoming enemies with our friends, uh, you know, at that point. But uh, we knew we wanted to go on. That was, you know, kind of the, yeah, that was kind of the mold right there. Yeah. Didn't have many details to put in after that. But uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we just played clubs. Uh, one thing that was very fortunate that happened to us, uh, it was uh, the drummer and Rich, the guitar player, and myself, uh, the, uh, and uh, we were in a band called, and I hated the name, but one of the other guys had been a name around called White Clover, and uh, and it was, instead of making up a new name and, and having to start from scratch with a reputation, we decided to take that one, because out of the three bands we were in, that one had the best reputation. Okay. Anyway, if this is all too detailed and boring. No, 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 this is... Okay. <laughs> Because sometimes I have a hard time separating my head because, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a chess game. The, the players are all over the place, but they stay on the board. But uh, it was funny. We went down to somebody through a friend, through a friend, knew somebody in New Orleans that owned a bar. And he said, I got a friend that has a bar down in the, in the French Quarter. And uh, he said he'll take you for a week if you want to go down there. We knew it wasn't going to mean any money, but just the thought of a guy getting out of Topeka, Kansas, and going down to the French Quarter. Now, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we went down there. What and, time period is this? Uh, like 69, 69 70. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, hippie days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Full-on head shops, the works. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was either incense was roaring out of the place or the next or the next place on Bourbon Street was they get naked, they get naked, boys. Come on in. <laughs> it was just hippies and strippers. It was just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's not much different these days. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, now you have to go on Frenchman Street. But yeah, there's, there's still the spot. I, I love New Orleans. Live music. Anyway, we went down for a week. The club owner said, hey, would you like to be the house band? This is on Royal Street, a block off Bourbon. And uh, we said, give us two days to go up and get back to Topeka and get my mattress and my other two shirts. <laughs> we were back down there, but, man, we put in some hours. And it was good. Mm-hmm. It, it really got our chops together because we, uh, we played six nights a week, and it was uh, 10 at night to 4 in the morning on the weekdays, and then the weekends it was to 6 in the morning, 10 to 6. Yeah. What so, kind of money were they giving you? Oh, I can't even remember. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, we were just, like, we were just, like, you know, thirty bucks a man. Or you know, something when like you that, bought, or? when you made the spaghetti, it lasted a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like the wicked witch with a pot of spaghetti, <laughs> churning it. You know, I have newt for that special flavor, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you're and in we a, lived in a band house. And that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, they, they lodged. It's kind of communal. Then there was you know a couple of hippie girls going around, and that's you know that. And they were handy because they, they could cook and they could clean. I hate to sound that way, but mm-hmm. it, it had a lot to do with that because if you've ever been in a band house, somebody needs to know how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we did that for about a year. Then it came back up and the same thing, band house and just playing clubs in Kansas. So we got out of high school in 68, and we didn't record till uh, the winter of 73. The album came out in 74. So we just played just good old gut-level clubs. Yeah, you know, and was years. this still under the name White Clover? Uh, we went White Clover, or? then we morphed into Kansas. Okay. How brave was that, just taking a state's name as your as your band name? Oh, well, we found out you can't uh, copyright it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, oh, I don't know. You know, to tell you the truth, it was like we were all around the band house and it was time for a name, and so it was one of those things for about, you know, about a week. Everybody's just shooting a name. You know, it'd either be a hilarious one or too deadly serious or, mm-hmm. you know, we really couldn't. About the only thing nobody absolutely lost a lunch over was Kansas. Okay. But, you know, we were scared to death, you know, with a violin player, and it happened to us a couple of times, that we were going to get pegged for a fiddle band because, logically, you would think from Kansas, country Kansas and western, fiddle, fiddle band, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> which happened to us at the exit end in Nashville. But <clears throat> that was interesting. We just looked out there. Here we are, this prog group. And there's nothing out there but big cowboy hats. This is 74. Cowboy mm-hmm. hats and big belt buckles. We thought, oh, 
I didn't realize. <laughs> we just fastened our seatbelts and went for it. I didn't realize XNN was has been around that long. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, I know they're that's, still. That's, that's still a. That's legendary. Super, yeah, legendary venue. Still super mm-hmm. popular. I didn't know that it's been around that long. Um, okay, so you released your first album. Did you do that independently, or no. had the, the labels found you? We kept sending. How did they find uh, you? We uh, we just looked on the back of album covers because we had no idea what to do, and uh, we we made uh, we we put some songs on tape. And the funny part was, is the tape we sent out, Carrie, the, the, our main writer, uh, wasn't with us quite at that time. We got him just almost a couple of months later. But, uh, and he's the one that wrote Carry On and Dust and all that stuff. So uh, we were a pretty good group, but mm-hmm. we knew we needed an ace writer. We knew we had the voice. We knew we had the, we, we had the violin. We knew we were a solid band. Yeah. But it wasn't anything really And you really knew you conscious. were something that was singular. There was nothing else like it. Uh, like, who does Kansas sound like? Especially in that Yeah, time, in you know, it's funny people go, how'd you come up with that sound at that time? Well, you know, once there was radio and the English was making music, music was global. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like we listened to sit around and listen to, you know, our generic music in the state of Kansas. You know, you got that all the time. Mm-hmm. No matter where you ate or anything, there's always country and western playing. Just like, you know, you go to the, the commons now. You can't, every store's going to, you walk into, there's going to be something different playing. There's always exactly. music playing. Yep. In fact, we live in a world that's pretty tough to get away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, it's a subject taught in school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, so, it's amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so were you, were you represented when you got, when you first no, signed that deal? No, no, we had no manager. We had no, no lawyer or anything. Well, you just, well, finally we, we just sent out labor. We heard of, uh, we looked at the back of record contracts and sent to those addresses our tapes and we never heard anything except we do have. And, and, and funny, I, I, I have a copy of it. Uh, or the photocopy of it, but uh, of the uh, Herb Alberts, uh, A&M came to me. Mm-hmm. They turned us down. Okay. You know, just <laughs> not looking for whatever, you know, the plan. How good did it feel to get those no's, though? To actually, like, get a letter back from those guys? Yeah, yeah, well, that was the like, only one we ever got back. Those. It was rejection. <laughs> yeah. So finally, we're playing out in Dodge City, Kansas. Yeah. And uh, we've got a phone call. Uh, this girl behind the bar goes, there's a phone. Is Dave Hope here? So, yeah, he's got a phone call from New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all like one of those. Yeah. Now we don't have access in Kansas particularly, but uh, um, and uh, so I answered, and it said this guy was uh, Wally Gold, and uh, he said uh, he was uh, representative Don Kirshner. Uh, we didn't know anything about him. Uh, we found out later, and uh, uh, that. Uh, they heard our tape, and he was wondering if we could send him an itinerary, you know, using words like that. Of course, we had to ask ourselves, what's an itinerary? Mm-hmm. You know, we just w- did gigs. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, so he could maybe come out and hear us, because basically after we got to, you know, we got to know him, you know, they wanted to see if we could reproduce it. Well, then they heard the Kerry version with us, you know, then, and it was even better than they thought. But uh, so he flew out from New York and caught us, this place called Ellenwood, Kansas, that was one of those ones that was... Uh, it was one block long on one side and about a half a block on the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small <laughs> right out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, uh, he heard us and, they, and they, they signed us. Yeah. But we had, no, we had no lawyer representation. We had no manager. We had no idea what we were signing. Yeah. How scary uh, was and that? And we signed away everything. We didn't know we signed away everything. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we, we did get our manager who suggested we, we needed to get some lawyers because you just do. And, uh, and uh, when we got in their office... They, we were all sitting there, and there was this two two guys, and uh, and uh, probably Schwartz and Schwartz. I can't even remember now. <laughs> and uh, uh, like all the lawyers are in New York, and um, so uh, they they kind of looked at the thing, and they looked at us, it was really sheepishly, and say, "Do you guys know what you signed?" We said, "Yeah, a record contract." They said, "Did you read it?" And we said, "We don't we don't know what it says." And they said, <laughs> "Did you have anybody read it?" We said, "We don't know anybody that would even if they read it would know what it meant." Yeah, because you have to have specific musical lawyers. Yeah, you know? exactly. Everything's so expertise now; it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was a judge; he could have read the thing, but he couldn't have told me if it was a good contract or not. Yeah, exactly. Compared to what? <laughs> yeah, even at a small level, like the, the, some of the bands I work with, like we've had to team up with Greenberg Traurig and you know band names like that, just because they understand. 100% how, how the machine works in that language. Um, so it's a really important, you know, it's an important thing to do. What what kind of deal did you sign? We signed away all our publishing. Yeah, for life? Lifetime? Uh, we had to go back and renegotiate it about our fifth album. You know, once you, once you go to the Super Bowl and get elected to the Pro Bowl, then you get to renegotiate your contract. Yeah. Until then, you suck win. Yeah, for totally. sure. Totally. And uh, 
no signing bonuses or anything. There was allowance for making albums. Well, you know how that is. Mm-hmm. You, you sign for such and such, but that's all spent on albums. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no gripes. I mean, you know, to make music back then was great. Uh, I mean, uh, music was wonderful back then in the sense. And, and like I said, you, you have to be 70 like I am to look back and see because mm-hmm. you have to have something to compare it to. What we're going through was the only thing that it, that was, you know. So uh, we didn't know how cool it was. But uh, we always used to, we had this one, we always called it the, the two-second test or the three-second test, depending on who was saying it. But, you know, of course, remember albums? You know, that's all you could listen to then. But we just, the three-second test was, was uh, you, could, you could lift up the needle, put it on an album within 1001, 1002. Who is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, easy. It's either... It's either Floyd, Jefferson Airplane, Jimi Hendrix, Grateful Dead, uh, Steppenwolf. Everybody was remarkably identifiable within a second. Yeah. Or two. Yeah, for sure. At, the, at tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, now? <laughs> gee. Yeah, yeah. Well, so much so it's a producer's world now, so they just sound like the producers that have produced the last 28 groups, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. So how soon after you signed that contract, um, in that timeline, were you like, I'm not poor anymore? Oh, oh, long time. The first three albums, we were just that annoying warm-up group. Uh, we never sold enough to where the album record company lost anything on us, but they never made anything on us, you know. And uh, I think I think our first three albums went something like 100,000 100, copies, 150 second one, and, and maybe 175 third one. The whole time saying, guys, give us something to work with. So even line. with six-figure album sales, you aren't, you aren't seeing... No, no, but but, uh, to tell you the truth, back then, nobody knew what record companies made. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what record companies made. I think Paul McCartney was the first one to find out uh, because he just was big enough to hold off and find out the full details on what everything was. Yeah. And he held out until... Did you ever meet the Beatles? No, no, No? never have. I got a friend that plays with Ringo's band now. Okay. (laughs) As for the last decade, but Mm -hmm. that's my closest. Okay. But... uh, Hit me later, and I'll tell you when I jam with the doors. You know, if you're looking for those oh, wow. kind of stories, I got tons <laughs> of those. So anyway, let me get to the Kansas story. The first okay. three groups, I never. First three albums, I never. I've never had a bank account at that point in my life. Everything was a per diem that went in my pocket. And we were that annoying warm up group that uh, you have to sit through before the group, you know, you want to see comes on, <laughs> and. Um, no, it was pretty good. Uh, we, we had it, it, it was great. It was a great experience. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened that way because we had to learn how to go from a bar band to a stage band. And, and fortunately, thank God, we were put on a lot of uh, warm-up dates with English groups. And English groups, American groups come in, they scratch here and there. They look like they just got through changing your oil. And, uh, uh, and, and then they tune on stage, you know. I mean, you know, just... I don't know. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just uh, unprofessionals can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the way they were back then. But uh, when we got English groups, now to make it in the states is a whole whole different ballgame. They got to make it in the states because you can't you can't you just just being a local hit in England is not going to carry you. Mm-hmm. States is a biggie for English groups. So when they come over here, they come over here with a show <laughs> and to show. You know, and uh, so we saw these guys, and we had a transition from being a bar band. And um, okay, um, we were uh, people always know us from Dust and uh, and uh, Carry On, but you know, but our first three albums were eight minute. We changed time signature every twenty seconds. Prog songs, you know, mm. and and our whole mind and our minds, we didn't think about. We never thought about ever. We just wanted to make a living doing what we do. We never thought we'd ever sell because we knew the kind of music we were playing. We just wanted to make a living at it. And uh, uh, But we didn't care because the mindset for people back then and musicians back then is, is we, the main thing was to be a good musician. And be a, and, and there, there was no higher, the highest compliment you could ever pay me, and it happened to me a few times in my life where my knees just buckled, was for somebody that you admired to come walk up and say, man, you guys are a damn good band. Mm-hmm. That was the ultimate. I have a question for you. That's actually, the about ultimate. That. With, with Brian May. Um, I don't know if that's that, the ultimate anymore. <laughs> in that documentary, uh, Miracles Out of Nowhere, when uh, when Brian May talks about how crazy it was, you know, playing with you guys, um, is it, would that be something that you're kind of considering? Mm-hmm. Like someone like Brian May telling you, mm-hmm. you guys are really great. Who else did that? Who else gave you those types of compliments? Oh, I've had some bass players, and I just uh, I don't want to go into names, but just because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
as big of an ego as I got, there's a real humble side to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because it, it's just embarrassing. I mean, I always feel embarrassed, you know, so I usually cover it up with some laughter or something. But, you know, uh, but um, probably the things you'd want to know is this is our third album. Uh, uh, that album, uh, we, uh, we, we got fortunate. Our manager did a great deal. He got us the, uh, Queen's first headlining tour was a sure heart attack album, mm. but it was only like 2,500 seaters. It wasn't, they hadn't busted that big, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody hadn't been out yet. We ended up doing their warm-up group for that whole tour. So we got to know those guys mm -hmm. reasonably well. Of course, we we thought they were all. I don't even want to get into it. It was pretty funny. It was just the hicks with the gay guys, you know. Because that's what we thought. My gosh, what are we going to do with this all gay band? You know, of course, <laughs> now, nowadays I, I, I can't. The, the dynamics is just I don't know. You know, and even talking about it's tough yeah. because he, I don't really mean what I'm saying. It, but yeah. just things were different then. Yeah, way yeah, yeah, yeah. different then. Yeah, I don't think there's anything. And then about we that. got to be great friends with them and uh, and. Uh, well, you know, like when we played the ha headline the Hammersmithonian in London, they rented a restaurant after hours and uh, threw us a party. So uh, we're I, I, we're not you can't you can't goof around, buds. But you know, we're friendly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, nice guys, but you know, uh, that first night I watched them for I, you know I still didn't know them, but I said in my back of my head I'm thinking, well, I don't care if the, I mean I don't like them being gay, but dang, they're good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was my mindset, you know, back then. You yeah. Know? Because, uh, but uh, yeah, drop stuff there. Yeah. But, uh, but that well, that was great. Then right after that, and boy, this is where we just about died. I mean, physically. I thought it was bulletproof, but this was a good one. Right after that, we got uh, our management got us plugged into Bad Company's first headlining tour, and we had just cut our our our, our fourth album. Now, Carry On had not gotten radio airplay yet. It started to towards the end of the Queen. There was getting call-ins. By the time we're about a third of the way through the Bad Company tour, their whole national tour, a we're a much stronger band musically. I'm not talking about when I'm talking musically. I'm just talking about who's a better musicians. Mm. You know, I'm not talking about whether you liked them better or you know or anything like that because people are like that. You know, they just because they like somebody, they think somebody's great musicians, but that's not necessarily so. <laughs> but uh, but we were much, much stronger than them, you know, and uh, and uh, we had a huge sound. The, the one thing that kept freaking us out is the bigger the hall we got in, the bigger we sounded. Mm -hmm. It played into us because we had this symphonic <clears throat> type of sound and, and, and we didn't know it. You know, because we played clubs. Well, the bigger the place got, the bigger we sounded. There was times when we were looking at each other going, dang, this sounds like there's another That's a, That's a really great problem. Yeah, yeah, it was a great problem. Mm. And uh, But uh, so we got Bad Company's whole tour. And uh, then the problem was, is Carry On was getting real strong airplay then. Uh, by the time we got done with Bad companies, so who they just wanted to get rid of us bad but couldn't because we were just a stronger group than then. Now all of a sudden we had a hot song on the radio. And... Uh, uh, and uh, so anyway, right after two back-to-back -back States tours, you know, with two different groups, suddenly it was time for us to headline. you got to get it while it's hot. Mm -hmm. So then we did a headlining tour on that in the States. Then we did Europe. Man, I mean, just three solid tours back-to-back, -back, regardless of whether you're headlining or not, is... <laughs> Just really? gonna take a toll. Yeah, yeah. Bring out the coke. Cheapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was it was hard. Yeah. But, what now? Getting into that, I'm assuming. So by now, you're okay. So carry on hits. You're headlining arenas probably now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you, so now you probably have alleviated some of your financial worries and stuff like that. Uh, but you're also at a time, you know, in the late '70s when that culture is just in the party culture is insane <laughs> yeah. too. Um, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of similar in, in a way in this, in a, I think it started then. Uh, yeah, it had to, have. but it's, it's, it's got kind of a mold that still carried on back then. You were either really serious musicians and then disco came in and so it was DJs and we're just taking this thing as light as we can, you know, and we're just, we're only interested in dancing. That, you know, I, I got nothing against that, but she's got the same thing here. Guys that are trying trying to hump it and be a good band, and then you got this dang rave thing, mm -hmm. you know, or, or things similar to that. It's just like, <laughs> it's just disco. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just <I've> disco, <laughs> except they call it, uh, what do they call it, ecstasy now instead of MDA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We call it's it still the, the same thing, record. right? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, yeah. Nothing changes. Yeah. So how crazy did it get? 
you know, um, and and what transitioned in into you? Well, I, I won't leave speak for like, all the guys, you know, because I really wouldn't want to drag anybody else's deal in. You know, uh, suddenly I'm just this dork from Kansas, and suddenly the world opens up, and all the things that you've only imagined you could do are now the ability to do. And so I was going to drink <laughs> really deep from that glass. Mm-hmm. Some things I wish I wouldn't have drank, but you know, yeah. some of the Kool Aid's bad. Yeah. So, uh, so what caused? I got a good healthy addiction going for myself, you know. Yeah, but the worst thing is, is when you can afford to have an addiction. Well, exactly. (laughs) That's that's what it gets scary. Yeah. What was your um? There's also nobody's going to say stop, you know, or pull you aside. Really, you didn't have a tour manager that would well, like the tour manager would. Well, yeah. Would you guys be like whatever? I mean, nobody's going to really say, you know, you need to drop out and go because it busts up the thing. And I'm not blaming anybody. It's just the mechanics of the thing. Mm You know, how, how do you how do you tell, or like if you're a Tom Petty and you're getting way too heavy, which I know you did, how does somebody say, you need, really need to give up music for a few years and get rehabbed? And, and mm-hmm. get, nobody's going to tell the, the breadwinner to go sit down. Mm-hmm. Was that your reason for, your main reason for leaving? Just because? No, no, a lot of different reasons. I, 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 th- through my drug addiction, and uh, I had a... Whether I don't know what people call it, I call it a conversion. I had an amazing experience with uh, the Lord, mm-hmm. and I mean, I wasn't even looking for it. I was on a tour bus with our warm up group, Louisiana LaRue, uh, uh, and I'd stayed up all night and I'd, I'd done my, I'd got a couple of grams of coke and drank a bottle, you know, and I was about as drunk as you could get. I was going back for my last call uh, back to the bathroom in the back of the bus with the blue swashing water, you know, but. Uh, um, and there was a guy in that band that I didn't know was a Christian. He was reading his Bible, and it was 10 in the morning, and he was just getting up, mm. you know, and I doing his morning devotions as I know it now. I was never churched. Mm. You know, uh, the closest I got to religion is, is my mom was, uh, uh, she was a non-practicing Jew, you know. Okay. So I don't, I don't basically know squat. So I'm drunk as, as can be. I'm also, a lot of life's getting to be a disappointment in one sense. You know, you think... All the benefits are happening. My wallet's fatter. You know, I'm not. I can pay my rent for the next, you know, few months. Uh, girls are talking to me. That the external stuff's great, mm-hmm. but but uh, inside, you're expecting a lot more to happen, and uh, and, uh, and it's just it's, it's getting like people would come up and they'd almost be going to pee in their pants for your autograph. And I mean, and I can remember sitting there thinking half the time when they're giving you a piece of paper with trembling hand, you're going, "Man, I wish I was getting half the kick out of this." They are, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I mean, it was just me. It was my fault all the way. And uh, and anyway, I was just happened to be walking back to, to take a whiz before I uh, was going to hit the bunks and uh, in LaRue's bus because uh, we had a night off, and I decided to ride with them and party with them. And uh, and I just kind of sat there and I'd just loaded as could be, just hardly stand up. And uh, I just said, what do you got to do to get it? And it was almost a sarcastic remark. He leaves me in a prayer. Next thing I know, you know, I probably most people are going to think I'm nuts for just saying this. I can only say <laughs> what what happened. But uh, the Holy Spirit, as I know it, but I didn't know what a Holy Spirit was back then, just hit me like an A-bomb. Mm-hmm. I mean, God absolutely filled me up. I was stone cold sober. Uh, I, all I know is, is I had tears running out of my eyes. I, I really didn't know what hit me. And when we got to St. Louis, which was the next gig, I sat in the back of that bus for a couple hours trying to figure out, okay, this changes everything, but I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's, uh, you know, so I became a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, of course, later in life, I became a pastor here in Destin. But, uh, you know, but uh, what, let's see, what was your original question? Because I'll get, I'll, I'll wander. That, oh, no, what, no, what that got tra- me out? Yeah, that transition. What got me out of the band? The transition yeah. or? Because uh, uh, those, th- those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. No, 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 they don't. Um, so, I'm, but I'm it assuming would be much that it easier to today. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. would be much easier today because you can, you can stay in touch with uh, fellow believers and stuff like that. I mean, by the second, mm-hmm. things back then were rotary phone. Mm-hmm. When you're out there, you're out there on your own for sure. <laughs> you know, there's no. Yeah, was there an option for like two different buses too, like a a clean bus? No, so no, to speak, we were nobody's a... that that adverse to anything back then. It, I, Things are, you know, you know, guy. I mean, America was just. I mean, I was familiar with all the Christmas stories and everything else. My, when you go to grade school, mm-hmm. you know, you, you not only sing all the songs, but you, they always had the nativity plays and the, you know what Easter was, whether you went to church or not. 
you know, and on Sunday morning, the only thing that was for kids on Sunday morning was David and Goliath. Hey, Davy, acclamation <laughs> thing. So me and my brother watch that because, man, it's cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing. And, uh, but, you know, but, I mean, it was woven into the society now. And, uh, it's, it, it's just too bad because you can kind of see what's happening now. Yeah. You know, regardless of, you know, what I think. Yeah. It, it just is. So did your did your lifestyle instantly change in that oh, moment, yeah, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I instantly, but somehow my drug addiction just disappeared, which was unexplainable. The road crew. Was that several? After two was days, that several couple, drugs? One of the guys representing the road crew, since I was always the instigator of, I don't care if it is three in the morning and you're awake. We're going to go over there and party. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, uh, so one um, of the road crew came up and asked me, Dave, are you all right? Because <laughs> I, I, I quit cussing instantly, and I wasn't aware of that. And uh, I, I guarantee you I had the MF mouth, you know, every, mm-hmm. le- le- easily that phrase twice in every sentence, you know, just like guys talk. Yeah. You know, it's just guy talk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was notable. Carrie... Uh, came to the Lord a little before me, but Carrie had always, we, we used to razz Carrie even back in the band house days and the club days about being in the religion of the month club. He okay. was always hunting for something, you know, uh-huh. and we go, okay, what religion are you into now, Carrie? It was kind of a joke, you mm-hmm. know, it was light, but you know, it was just fun. Yeah. I love the book of the month club. And, uh, so when he came, he, he really wasn't a big partier, you know, he, he done a little this, a little that, but you know, but not a, you know, would be known as one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, lifestyle-wise, it wasn't quite, and he was always on a spiritual quest, so. Yeah, and he left before you did, correct? Or did you all leave we, together? We both left together. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like um, I got married again. I've been married before. Okay. Uh, to a girl in Pensacola, uh, still have her on Facebook. We we parted friends. Uh, it was just too immature to be married. She was a stewardess, and I was in a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> so out of the three years, we probably saw each other about four months. Yeah. <laughs> it was just dumb. I mean, the lesson learned is just because you're in love doesn't mean you have to get married. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't old enough to know that. And so anyway, but fortunately, there, there's no grudges. And, yeah. uh, um, so then when I married uh, Diana, and then, uh, let's see, this all happened within a couple of years, but my conversion, Mary and Diana, Mary Diana, just before my conversion, um, and uh, um, and then and then later when Diana became pregnant um, a, a couple of years later, um, just everything kind of converged. I, I wish it would have really been something that I'm going to sound so much nobler than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was basically if I'm going to stay out of the drugs, stay faithful to my wife because I wanted to. And uh, have a kid that, that knows me or even give a kid a half a break on a life because I'd never seen anybody raise a kid that, you know. And maybe one or two guys are doing it now, but that's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that's really, you know, just doesn't have hellions for kids that's still in that lifestyle. Yeah. You know? And uh, uh, it was just the writing was on the wall. What, what happened is me and Carrie both were looking for the same thing. We didn't want to be in a Christian band. We just wanted to be in a band with Christians. So the atmosphere wasn't so tough. And it, this was not from the guys in the band. Uh, I want to make that clear. It was the outside stuff. You know, usually you have to hustle for sin. You got to go to a club and hustle for a date, or you got to drive over to a dealer's house or make some phone calls. This stuff follows you around. And I don't know about you guys, I eat that strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just any given night and when. It's kind of like owning a motorcycle, not when I'm going to crash. You know, it's not if I crash, it's when I'm going to crash. You know? Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, me and Carrie wanted to just be in a band with Christians, so we, we formed a short-lived group, a couple albums called AD, uh, who at that time, there was, uh, at that time, of course, this, oh, let me think, this would have probably been 83. Yeah, I'm within a half a year there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, real good musicians, real good musicians. Uh, and, uh, but uh, it was just, we didn't want to be a Christian band. But the next thing you know, you can't get out of it once you're labeled. You know, we, we played clubs, and the next night we were in a, we were in a church. We were, I was, you know, me and Carrie were going to start over again. And me and Carrie had this thing that we were just going to give our testimonies regardless of where we played. So uh, you stand in a club, 
about that second set when you go out there and give your, give, give about a 10 minute testimony on a break, <laughs> man, I get, I get, I give other pastors, you know, I said, you guys are such wusses. I mean, you stand in front of a congregation that just loves you and, you know, and, uh, and I said, you know, you're good for you all, but <laughs> you you go someplace and, yeah. and, and preach the same sermon, so you get instant feedback. <laughs> yeah. Try that in a bar. So that, that 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 divides the men from the. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's something definitely uh, admirable about that because I've heard that. You, you, well, you made a decision that was that yeah. was counterintuitive financially. I'm sure. Oh, guy, it was mostly leaving the guys. He, well, yeah, that, the guys and you did that with them, killer for sure. My heart, but um, do you still speak with like Phil and Carrie? Yeah, and yeah, guys? yeah. We send jokes back and forth. Yeah, you know. So you're still and, like and of course uh, Phil and Rich have never quit touring the band. Mm-hmm. You know, so but they, you know they're 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 earning a good living. I understand exactly why they're doing it. And and, it, and the band joke was always because what else can we do? Mm-hmm. It really is. It's the fact. What else can they do? Yeah. Do you still see mailboxes? Rich is the funniest. He'll, he'll be the first to tell you he's never had a job in his life. He's only played in the band. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since high school. <laughs> yeah. Do you still see mailbox money? Huh? Do you still see mailbox oh, oh, money? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a trickle now compared to a stream. But mm-hmm. but man, I'll tell you, anybody wants to send me a what's a bit of well, let's see. I quit a week before Zoe's due date. So it's been thirty five years. Yeah, it's been 35 years. Anybody wants to send me a check that's legal in the mail 35 years after the fact yeah. of being in a band, man. Thank yeah, you. So that's crazy. So you, you're going to have your daughter, Zoe, and then you right you you decided to quit right after due date. That was it. Yeah, I, I, I gave the guy, I said I gave my notice a week before due date. Yeah. How hard was that? Um, I don't know. Were, they, were they angry with you? Or was, was it an understanding or... Yeah, there had been, there had been some anger. It wasn't shown, but I mean, everybody was ripped. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. But you know, it's all going to come to an end anyway. I mean, uh, you know, musically, it had ended a couple albums earlier for me. I don't know what any of the other guys would say. I mean, uh, by the time Steve left with LSD. Yeah. Lead singer's disease. For those of you that don't know what that is, <laughs> we used to, we used to, even back in the bandhouse days, we used to just crack up and make jokes about because uh, lead singers do it all the time. Of oh, good, there's a lead singer that's going to leave a band again. Uh, one thousand one, one thousand two. What was his name? <laughs> I mean, we used to make jokes about it. So when Steve did it, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know. Okay, but uh, that next album, it was just weird. Uh, uh, the new guy we got had never played in a band live. He'd, he'd, he'd been in his room and written songs and stuff, but never been in doing club gigs. That was, was kind of weird. Are you hmm? talking about Elefante? John Elefante. Okay. It was okay. kind of funny. And uh, and Carrie had just gone dry. Uh, really, inspiration was a big one for Carrie. He just dried up. Elefante writes all these pop hits, which is nothing wrong with them. They were good songs, but it was just like, wow, this just isn't, what we were at all, you know, and, uh, but I don't know, you know, I, I really wasn't thinking that objectively then, but you know, it felt, you could feel the, the things, everything's way different now. Yeah. But, uh, John wrote good songs. John's a great singer. I mean, I wanted to go for a completely different sound. I said, this is our chance. So we don't end up like Chicago and sound like our last 10 albums and go for a completely different sound and singer. We're, we're some of the other guys, I don't want to get names, we're too concerned with, we got to go back and play these things again, you know. Mm. You know, we got people showing up, you know, because we're, you know, we're still playing the major halls then. And uh, so I go, okay, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm always willing to jump off a cliff. A lot of times I'm wrong. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I'm much more apt to jump off a cliff than a lot of people. Yeah, you were the most vocal one in the band, yeah? Mm. If you had something to say, you'd say it. Oh, yeah. That's never been a problem. It's keeping it shut up. I think I think I have a mild Tourette syndrome. Or <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> um, the, the the Steven Tyler story um, <laughs> in the documentary. How close did you actually come to kicking Steven Tyler's ass? I, I dang near got him. He got to the door, and his road manager got between us before I got him. Yeah, yeah. Can we share a little bit of that story? Oh, sure. That was the most ridiculous thing in the world. I mean, 
we did this with Hart, and we also did this with uh, the first journey. First journey, Greg Grawley, the guy that was the lead singer and organ player for Santana, was the lead singer. Oh, I didn't back know that. Then. Yeah. Perry wasn't in the, uh, in the first album, maybe okay. the first two, I can't remember, but there was about, we did this with Hart, we did this with Journey, and we did it with this Aerosmith, and that was none of us could sell uh, out 2,500 seats, but two bands together could. So we did these tour packages with all those groups, and, and every other night we'd alternate who's the headliner. Well, we're coming into Kansas, and we said to those guys, we know it's your night to headline, but would you like to flip-flop with us? Because, you know, we don't want to come off brash, but, you know, we're hometown boys. You know, <laughs> we're, this called, might, we're called Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this might be in your best interest. Yeah. No way uh-huh. Tyler does. And, of course, he's noted for just being... Like I said, I guess he was just having a bad life. They call it a bad hair life that day, you know, I don't know. Um, but uh, we had rigged up some uh, wiring because he was notorious for doing these kind of things. And we had it looked like we were plugged in one way. Because these, these things were just oversized school auditoriums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, just the stage was like a school auditorium and the curtain closes. I mean, yeah. I, I wish, you know, uh, there's just no way I could say, because now rock and roll's got to be so showbiz. There's no way to tell how organic it used to be. Like when I saw The Who or Hendrix, these are only 1,500 seaters because mm-hmm. that's as big as rock and roll was back then. You know, so uh, it, it's hard to explain how organic these things were. Sometimes you shared dressing rooms, you know. There wasn't this stuff now, you know, as, as much as it is now. So anyway, we had it set up where uh, uh, our, our stage manager was a smart little guy, and uh, and he had a warning fr- from, the, from the guys with Aerosmith, their stagehands, their roadies, that, that Stephen was... And so he wrecked it, so it looked like we were going one way, and when Steeler, and we got an encore. Then we, and, uh, and then Steeler Tyler's next thing, he's up there having a rant because your, the warm-up group was, wasn't supposed to have an encore, period, but we're hometown. And there's just no way we were going to get off that stage. So, uh, you know, anything was going to go on unless we did it mm-hmm. one more. So we're on. So he's just having this raving fit on the side. I mean, just right, just close as me and you. <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting here playing bass. It's a school stage, basically. And, uh, and when we got the second one, he went out of his mind. He was spitting and flipping the bird. And I mean, I, I, I've never seen an adult act that way before in my life, you know, outside of a movie, you know. And, uh, and finally, uh, when he went to go pull the plug and he started spitting and stuff at that point, I'd had enough. I just put my bass down and took after him. <laughs> he was just lucky I was still in my fat boy days then. But he saw, oh, somebody's going to actually correct me. Oh, you know, there's consequences to this. <laughs> And uh, he, he ran to the dressing room and, got, and just beat me there before, you know, just that time it took to take off the bass, gave him about four steps on me. But that road manager, I mean, their, their road manager was a big guy, and also uh, uh, he just stood between us. But Yeah. yeah, yeah I'll let him know everything instead if he came out from behind that road manager. If I could have reached him, I would have grabbed his throat and strangled his, <laughs> popped his eyes out. I mean, you know, can you imagine somebody doing Aaron that Smith to you? Smith will not be performing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Hope broke him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we have any Gorilla Glue out there? How much longer was the tour together after that? And did a couple you, of more did dates. Did you ever talk to him, or was it just like you know? I talked to the bass player. He's a good dude. guy. Uh-huh. It surprised me. It just killed me because he was such a well at the time. No, I better not say that. But uh, very. I, I, I'm a conservative. You know, even if you're born in the Midwest and you're liberal, you're conservative. But, but. Uh, um, but he was a really far right, mm-hmm. which really surprised me out of somebody coming out of Boston in a rock group. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool with me. But, you know, I, I remember him being a nice guy. I remember talking to him a few times, Tom. and But I don't remember talking to the other guys. Yeah. So what, Steve? But would we actually, did the same thing with Hart. You would have to rig your stuff Journey. so he wouldn't destroy your your sound? Our, our roadies found out that Tyler was famous for pulling the plugs on people or trying to sabotage stuff if yeah. things didn't go his way. So you'd have like and a we knew this was gonna, we, You could just feel it coming mm-hmm. because they didn't, they still wanted the headline. We, so, we knew what was going to happen. I mean, uh, we did the same thing with Fleetwood Mac. Uh, we were at Arrowhead Stadium and yeah, they had more hit 45s. That's all right. It's fine. No big deal. We were right before him. You know, this is a stadium gig. And uh, they said, uh, they, they sent it over and said, uh, uh, of course, they got a hold of us a couple of days before. They said, would you prefer to close? Because we were much stronger musically than them. 
I mean, I'm not saying whether they wrote better songs or whether they were cuter, but but we could just outmuscle them easy, and uh, uh, so uh, they knew it, and so they asked us to close, you know, and uh, it was a smart move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in Kansas at Arrowhead Stadium, and you know, but. Uh, we were both at our peak about that. That's a lot of I was going to say, that's a lot of people. That's, now, that uh, group that I was talking about, that New Orleans group, mm-hmm. now, about that time in New Orleans, you guys might be familiar with this, and I don't know how much musical history you got. Uh, the oldest that I know of, independent promoter, it's still going, is Beaver Productions, which is Don Fox, who Don came down from Chicago the same time and hung out the same club we were playing down in, in, in uh, Bourbon, or down in Royal Street mm-hmm. in the French Quarter, and he opened up a place called The Warehouse. Okay. And Don used us all the time. It was the first of its kind that I know of. He built a stage, a dressing room, put it in a couple of bathrooms in an old shipping warehouse. I mean, this thing was probably built in 1880, all brick, you know. And he just put in remnant carpet over the whole place. It probably, fire marshal would probably say 1,200, but I'm sure they put 3,000 in there every time. <laughs> and it was just first come, first serves. And, you know, you could see the Allman Brothers warm up Pink Floyd for 350. You know, but that's just the way things were there. Well, when he didn't need to fill, you know, when promoters don't need um, uh, the second the warm-up group to help sell out the halls, then they just get the most dirt cheap thing they can, you know. And, uh, and so that was us. Of course, we were thrilled to do it. He'd go, you, and uh, he said, you guys want to warm up the, the doors? <laughs> do we want to warm up the doors? <laughs> so we're sharing the dressing room. So while I'm up there, I don't know, I guess I'm 19, 20, and uh, Rob, the... the, the, the uh, a guitar player and Ray, the uh, uh, organist for the Doors, they got an encore. They came back up. We're still sitting in the dressing room, and uh, just odd, just completely odd. I mean, you know, we've been listening to these guys and playing their songs, you know, back in high school, and and uh, and you know, they don't have a bass player. So he looks over at me. He goes, "You want to come down and jam on the next song?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Do I?" <laughs> don't ever explain this. Do I want to jam with the Doors? My arm had, my arm was on my bass in the dressing room. One foot was already on the stage, and my face cleared up somewhere in between. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah, so you got to play that show with them. Yeah, I got to play a song with them. Wow. Yeah, I just jammed on the last song. Jim Morrison, it was the last, that was the last gig they ever did. Yeah. He, he went from there over to France because they were going to they're gonna can him here. One way or the other, Hoover <clears throat> and those guys were going to can him, mm-hmm. just like they tried to get Lennon. And, uh, um, you know, when they want you, they want you. Yeah. And they'll get you. And uh, um, knowing how crazy talented the band was, like you said, you know, it's not about who writes the better songs, just the, the group of musicians. Uh, who who do you think, who would you have a hard time following? Or, or what other musicians? bands were you out with? Yeah, musicians were you was. out with Back where then, you were like, whoa. It'd be hard for me now because the, uh, everybody's so, so dang good because. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about back then. Like when you back would, then? Who was like, who was a band you're like, I don't want to follow those guys? Uh you couldn't. You couldn't. Uh, you couldn't out. You couldn't give anybody a bigger experience than Floyd, yeah, and Zeppelin. That would have been too. You just couldn't out experience them, mm-hmm. regardless. Because Floyd, technically, is not that great of musicians except for the guitar player. But man, are they a studio band? They get a studio sound. Mm-hmm. Drummer's so-so. Keyboard player's pretty good. Guitar player's good. And the singing's whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's good singing, but it's not outstanding singing. You know, the the black girls they get to. T- Dark side that's like yeah. the back. Yeah. Now that's outstanding singing, <laughs> but uh, 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 King Crimson. Oh my goodness! Okay, what a monster of a musicians. Those guys were. You know, mm. Greg Lake was in the first one. You ever heard Twenty First Century Schizoid Man? Mm. Uh, Jethro Tall was amazing musicians, but a lot of good musicians back then. Mm-hmm. But it was all made of musicianship. You know, now it's just I don't know. You know, this is just sitting back what's on TV, because I don't have time to go through myriads of junk, but just the stuff that's actually selling, and that's what ends up on TV. It's just like, it's like going to, I don't want to see a Las Vegas show. You know, if I want to see singing with dancers, I'll go buy a ticket to the, the, the closest junior college production of Oklahoma and probably see a better production. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just Las Vegas stage show. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Thousand dancers in your art, and somewhere in the midst of that is your artist. Not that it makes any difference, <laughs> about and not that they're singing. I don't know, you know. But yeah, it's That's just pretty accurate. Are there any modern? I I I went to have a band blow me away as a musician. That's the reason I go, mm-hmm. and I've had a couple do that to me. I've had two get where I was just I found myself on my feet, 
with my mouth just a gap. First one was Fleetwood Mac at the warehouse, all male band. You probably wouldn't be familiar with that. Peter Green guitar player, they're amazing band. Never liked them after that. Okay. They got girls and they have cooties, you know how it is. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and the other one was uh, Don Fox. He was at the club, uh, the one that owned the warehouse there, Beaver Productions. And uh, he, uh, he says, yeah, I got a group from Macon coming in. And he said, they just cut their album, uh, uh, but I haven't heard them. I heard they're pretty good, though. And I said, yeah, what's their name? And he says, you might want to catch them. He said, he said the Almond Brothers. I said, okay. I never heard them. I'm just sitting there in the front like most musicians do, checking out the equipment. <laughs> Man, all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm standing up going, who are these guys and how do you sound this big? <laughs> yeah. I think one of those guys are those here are musicians. Too, aren't they? Aren't, aren't one of the guys from the Almond Brothers here in, in town now? I'm not sure. Then they're mm-hmm. playing under the name like Almond Goldfree's band or something like that. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's most of I don't, them are I don't dead, know the connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know the connection about that. Is there any modern music that you like? Wow, the musicianship is by far there's so many bass players that blow me out of the water. Uh, but the I don't know, gosh, I'd have to sit down and really think about it. I'm just spacing now. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, it, it's just the whole... You could just say it's no, It's the whole too. feel. <laughs> yeah. It's just a day gone by. It's the whole feel of what I liked about bands is gone. Mm-hmm. And, and it had a lot to more do... It had a lot to do with your musicianship, but it also had a lot to do with... You You, you gutted it out in band houses. You played the clubs. You've, you've gotten embarrassed to death on stage with the same guys, you know, you've all been humiliated to get, you know, things like that. You know, what are you going to, what's Justin Timberlake going to do for a band story? You know, I mean, oh, gee, somebody sat on my Mouseketeer ears. I mean, you know, I mean, I, yeah, it's this production line of, uh, of, uh, and, uh, what a record company's JT dream, song. something like, uh, the voice or something. I mean, you get to sit there and the public eliminates what's going to be your big seller. You don't have to take a risk like they used mm-hmm. to have to. Yeah. Record companies, for every band they signed, there was at least 20 that month that you never heard of ever. You know, they took some pretty big risk money-wise at yeah. times. But, uh, so I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, I hate to sound like one of those guys, you know, you know like some old football guy, you know, like, oh, yeah, back in the day when we played ball, we didn't even use face masks, you know. I don't <laughs> want to sound like that either. Yeah, well, it's just, we, we had this discussion a couple weeks ago with someone in here who's a musician. It's just a, di- it's a different landscape now. It gives you a, fe- it's a different a, feel, everything. Yeah, it's everything, the, the industry from, from where you started to where it is now, it's not, it's not, it wouldn't even be recognizable as the same if thing. If I was sitting on a good band right now, I mean, you know, in the sense of I had a hot shot writer and everything, I, I wouldn't personally have a clue even where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would. I'd go to our old manager. But but if I didn't have that, if I was sitting like Ken, I wouldn't even have – I don't have a clue yeah. how, how you – do you get a record contract? I don't know what you do nowadays. I, yeah. I really don't know. Did you ever go back and sit in with the guys after you left? A or? couple of times. <laughs> one time they played the Seafood Festival here, and I sat down and carry on. I, I don't do any further than that because I remember that one and, I, and the other ones are too complicated and I'm too lazy <laughs> for one night. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get that dressed up just for one date. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I have, I, have one other, um, I have one other thing to run by you real quick. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but growing up, I grew up in a Christian home as well. So a lot of the music that I listened to um, was, I think, until I was 12, it all, it all had to be Christian records. Yeah. A lot, unless it was, you know, we, we definitely had some Kansas records in there, like some Billy Joel records and stuff like that, but, like, there was no Guns N' Roses or, or yeah, Metallica or, or anything like that. And I did my best to hold that off a little bit for my daughter, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's a losing battle. <laughs> I don't think that worked out. <laughs> I know you're going to go listen to this this time, but not on my watch. You go do it on your watch. <laughs> yeah. um. But I remember um, in the, I think that either the late 80s or the early 90s, there was a band called Rachel Rachel that actually covered yeah, Carry On, I remember that. And then also... Might have been the first one that ever covered it, maybe. Possibly. About, about as early as I can remember. It's been done a few times. I mean, I couldn't be more shocked when uh, I read uh, like somebody like Anthrax or Panic at the Disco, they did it live, you know, somebody will send me something, I'm going, I thought metal bands would hate us. Are you familiar with Striper? <laughs> Yeah, I'm familiar with okay. I mean, I don't know them. But you know I, they yes, covered I, it. I know, I know the band. Yeah. They covered it on a record. But I just thought metal groups would hate mm-hmm. bands like us, but uh well, shocked me. 
Is there any chance? Uh, it's kind of a common theme on here. We 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 brought up Striper a couple times on here just because it was it was almost it was kind of crazy because those guys could really play, but it was almost a dichotomy in that time to be a Christian metal band. Well, Striper is actually coming to Pensacola to play their greatest hits and greatest covers live. So I'm wondering if there's any interest on your end to get up with the guys in Striper and sit in and get them to play Carry On. I don't know. It depends on what day. And, uh, <laughs> it's got to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I got the, 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 the group group therapy that I play in. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you know, so I'm playing already. I don't know. You know. I have no idea. And, you know, it's a, I got to get a plug in for it. It's just with some friends and uh, 60s and 70s music, mm-hmm. unashamedly. Yeah. Because I really don't know how you would reproduce most of the stuff now live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you do Uptown Funk with the three-piece group? <laughs> well, how weird is it um, trying to get booked here and, be and like, politely saying, I played on this record? Oh, I never bring anything up like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't shy <laughs> away from anything, but I never bring up anything. Because, yeah. you know, if I'm if I'm booking a band, sometimes I have to be a little more aggressive with certain venues that I don't have a relationship yeah, with. Yeah, and yeah. just say, these are who these guys are. Here's their qualifications. Here's some videos or whatever like that. So you don't. Well, I told the, the like our drummer, Donnie, or Steve, or guitar player, I said, if you're booking, if you have to run with it, run with it. I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't have that ability in me for some reason. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, uh, it's just uh, embarrassed is the wrong word. Somewhere around shy, embarrassed. What, what I don't know what motion that is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just like somebody used to play for Kansas. God, you guys were in all the next guy, and I'm looking at my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad everybody enjoyed the group, but it's just kind of yeah. weird. Does know? it feel like I it think was we a different knocked life? off about 30, 35 million, you know, good selling groove. You know, that's albums, a lot. Al- yeah, that's a lot. And especially considering, and I'll try to say this, see if I can say this without a cuss word following it. When Napster came out, that just ruined, took everybody's livelihood. You know, everybody's go, hey, isn't this cool? Free, free. No, it cost me, I'm, I'm raising a kid here, <laughs> you know? That's what I, the free people now drive me nuts. Yeah. There's nothing free. Mm-hmm. And I hate to see kids falling for it again. I already went through the hippie movement. I don't want, and, and now this is just a bad second act of the hippie movement. Yeah. Everything's free, sure. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's crazy that it's a much it's a much much different time and uh, you know you're right ecology free and before it was like if people couldn't believe you charged for festivals mm-hmm. you're gonna storm the fences man music should be free <laughs> <laughs> well then you get it here yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's just weird people yeah. are strange well cool man anything Closing else the doors. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, man? I think that's all the oh, questions I that I have. Yeah, I like is there anything else that people just should know? God's blessed my socks off in so many ways. Yeah. It's been kind of stingy on the hair lately, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like you had two different lives? Yeah. And and the weird part is, is I can walk in, and they're so, so opposite of each other, and I can walk through either one easy. You know, it's just like I could be sitting here talking some theology with some person up there asking me a question, I can just turn around and go, yeah, and I'm about kicked the living snot out of Stephen Todd. You know, it's just, you know, they're both what I am. And I don't, you know, it's a very unusual. When I first got saved, when I started going to church, uh, and uh, and I didn't know any of the rules, you know, I don't know anything. And at that time, it was, it was debatable whether drums should be used in church. So I'm thinking, what the hell did I just get myself yeah. into? Where are these people coming from? You know, I mean, I, it was really weird to me. Of course, you know, you're just shutting up because, you know, you're the new kid on the block and I don't know what's going on. This is a totally different world. And also there was a, there was some brothers from something like Wisconsin or something. I can't remember their name now. They used to encourage the, 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 the album burnings and stuff. And they wrote a book and had a bunch of list of uh, albums you had to burn. And ours was in it. We never Sweet. even did love songs. We never even sang about girls. That's because no girls would talk to us. No, but, uh, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is just weird. <laughs> I never in a, in a million years thought, thought that we ever said anything offensive in Kansas. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything we ever steered from. It was just, it never came up. Yeah, that doesn't seem like one that would that would make the burn list. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's a strange thing. Growing up, uh, growing up in the church like I did too, uh, dancing wasn't allowed. 
It's like you weren't allowed to move to the music. Yeah. You know, yeah. how like, do you do that? It's instinctive. I'm a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, oh. You'd definitely have to paralyze me for that to happen. Yeah. I think there was a time when like the, the Oh, like I know somebody stretch. like him. Gee, I just went over and saw Marcus King. He oh, did you great. go see Marcus King? He was great. And the uh, last concert I cut there was, uh, they are very good. Uh, Magpie Salute. Hmm. I don't know who that is. Uh, it was basically the, the Black Crows who disbanded and then reorganized without the obnoxious brother. Okay. Uh, Chris Rock? Chris Rock? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it was everybody in the Black Crows just, just like, Psst, we'll meet over there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call ourselves something different so we don't get sued. They were really good. Yeah. They were really good. Yeah. Mark- or Living Color, but they've been around forever. But, oh, knockout musicians, just knockout musicians. Yeah, they First still First black rock group I've ever seen. I've never heard of them. Have they been around since 80 or? Probably. I think so. You know, I mean, they've been around a long time, but at that time, you know, black guys didn't play rock and roll hardly, mm-hmm. except for Hendrix. That was kind of a freak, but you yeah. know, in general, or King's X, you know, there was a, the, the, what's his name? Doug? I met him one time. Doug Pinnock, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Good bass player. But, you yeah. know, seeing a black guy in a hard rock group was just weird. Mm-hmm. How, are you familiar with Gary Clark at all? Uh, Gary Clark Jr.? Why does that sound familiar to me? He's a uh, he's a black, he's a, a modern day black uh, mm. rock blues guitarist. Uh, his new it's album is to unreal. Yeah. His new stuff is really great. It's uh, out of like out of a lot of the new music that I've heard. It's definitely the what's impressed me the most. You know, it's got this. It's like Lenny Kravitz meets I don't, I don't know. It's it's cra- like uh, almost a little bit of like Donald Glover type stuff, like Childish mm. Gambino. Yeah, but like mixed with like like our old Burnside, but like heavy like yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good stuff. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks, Dave Hope. I appreciate oh, yeah. you coming in, man. I'm this glad is to great. come back. Yeah, for Part sure. two. <laughs> yeah. If you want me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and, uh, and thanks for coming in, man. I definitely appreciate it. Man. I had a blast. Cool. Thanks, man. All right, that's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. That was Dave Hope. Also, just want to remind you that today's show was brought to you by Sand Jam Fest. Sand Jam Fest. Kings of Leon, Cold War Kids, Third Eye Blind, Dirty Heads, Young the Giant, The Revivalists. Matt and Kim, JJ Gray and Mofro, Yaysayer, all coming to Panama City Beach, Florida. That's Sand Jam Festival. That's going to be April 26th through the 28th. Get your tickets at sandjamfest.com. Mm-hmm.